0: This episode, I'm going to give a warning, as well as a disclaimer, because this following information is not suitable for anyone who would like to remain blind. Listening discretion is advised, and the story I'm about to tell is very graphic, so parental discretion is advised. So if you have children, just know that there will be some graphic things that will be said in this episode. Thank you. Peace and many blessings to you my Melanated family. Peace and many blessings. I hope that everyone is doing great and that you're having a great day. I thank you so much for joining me today on June 1st 2020 or whatever time that you are listening to me. I thank you. This episode is not part of my series of Should Black People Trust the Government During this pandemic? I did not record an episode last week and I do apologize. Life happens. But I do have a very special episode in store for you today. Okay now fam, now that I have your attention, I need for you to just lay back, Sit back, close your eyes, clear your minds, open your hearts, just listen. Imagine that the sky is blue, the sun is out, the weather is pleasant, it's not too cold, nor is it too hot. The weather is just right. So you get up and you get dressed in your finest clothing from head to toe. You're looking good, you're smelling good, you're feeling good, and in your mind you say, today is going to be a good day. So in the midst of all of this, you decide that, you know what, I'm going to not go to work today. So you decide that you want to spend the day doing whatever it is that you want to do and go anywhere that you want to go. Today is your day, your me day, your me time. Let me tell you, you don't live in the current city that you live in right now. You live in a place where everyone has like-minded mentalities. The mentality to contribute, the mentality to help each other, the mentality to succeed together as a community. A place where everyone is loyal to all the same causes. Black people with morals whose words Match their actions. There is every shade of beautiful melanated skin all around you. There are successful black men and women. There's young boys wearing suits and ties to school. And children all around they greet you with the utmost respect. This place that you live is a thousand times more better than ATL, or a thousand times more better than the current city that you live in. Either way, this city is a thousand times better than any black city in America today. There's no social media, no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram, nothing like that. Life is great and your lifestyle is simple you're living your dreams you're not struggling you're not worrying about money you're making money the kind of money that you want to make and the kind of money that you deserve and you don't need to get up and rush and go to nobody's job especially a job that you don't like or a job that you have to work unless that's something that you wanted to do. That will be your choice. But you own the house that you live in and you own your own business or businesses. So think of whatever business that you ever wanted to do You're doing it. So you decide to leave out of the house and walk, and go take a stroll. And when you walk down the street to the business district of your community, you see churches, you see restaurants, you see grocery stores and movie theaters, a hospital, a bank, a post office, libraries, schools, doctor's office, lawyer's office, private airplanes, and then a bus passes you by. You see medical schools, pawn shops, and as you keep continuing walking, as you walk down the street and you look around and you see people that look just like you, And you continue to walk and you see people that are successful just like you. And every business that you look in, you see a black face. Every person that you greet and that greets you, it's a black face. Nothing but love all around you. You feel love for your brother You feel love for your sister. You feel love for the melanated children that you see around the community. And so you continue to walk, and you come up on this big hotel. Matter of fact, it's one of the largest hotels in the United States. You continue to walk, you see jewelry stores. And then on the outskirts of this city, There's acres and acres of farmlands. And all of these businesses, they're owned by Black people just like you. The sky is the limit for you. This Black metropolis, a real-life chocolate city, this is your home and you live there. melanated family. This place that I just described actually did exist. I know it may sound like a made-up place or some type of fairy tale, but this place was actually called Black Wall Street. Little Africa or oil capital of the world or the Negro Metropolis of the Southwest. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street Street was founded in 1906. Black Wall Street was destroyed May 31st through June 1st nineteen. In a little more than 12 hours Black Wall Street It's all gone A riot that began at the Tulsa County Jailhouse on the night of May 31st, 1921, had escalated into a massacre on the morning of June 1st, 1921. This massacre was largely omitted from local, state, and national history until our ancestors began to. On June 1st, 2020, I am paying homage to our ancestors who built Black Wall Street from the ground up. Today marks 99 years since the residence of Black Wall Street's tragic massacre. The one of many Holocaust brought upon our ancestors by white people here on America's Soil. I felt it very important for me to retell their story of what happened to them on this tragic day, 99 years ago today. We must never forget and use their story as a reminder of the kind of people that they were dealing with back then. And for us to know that we are still dealing with the same seeds of the same people now. Our ancestors' tragic story is one of many that we should be passing down to the younger generations. These stories of our ancestors and how they beat all odds against them despite a whole country plotting and working Their story tells how they built something out of nothing. How they depended on each other and they sustained themselves without any help from the outside. And they unified and they thrived and they built a thriving community. This story that I'm telling Story. it speaks of a thriving community that they created with them alone when they were left alone to live their own dreams they worked magic. though their story is very tragic it needs to be heard our ancestors need to be celebrated for their accomplishments in accomplishing the impossible and their error, Accomplish what we dream of accomplishing together as a black people, but we miss the mark because we have no unity or loyalty amongst each other. That's what they had. Black Wall Street. Our ancestors began building their dreams in 1906. Little did they know that they were onto something big. They were creating a community that would help many black. Black Wall Street was born. O.W. Garland, a young entrepreneur, a wealthy Black landowner from Arkansas. He moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1906, where he purchased 40 acres of land near railroad tracks. These parcels were only sold to quote unquote, colored people at the time. But Mr. Garley, he went on and purchased that land of 40 acres and his first business was built on those 40 acres of land. His first business was a rooming house and it was on a dusty trail near the train tracks. This road was given the name Greenwood, Greenwood, Avenue, named from a city in Mississippi. Mr. Garley's land had became very popular amongst migrants, black migrants, fleeing the oppression in Mississippi. On Mr. Garley's land, these migrants, they found refuge on these 40 acres. And in addition, to the rooming house that Mr. Garley built. He went on and built three two-story buildings and five residents. And then he turned around and bought another 80 acres of farmland in Rogers County. Mr. Garley also founded what is today, Vernon AME Church. Mr. Garley, was well on his way to creating something great. And then came along another black entrepreneur by the name of J.B. Stratford. Mr. Stratford was a former slave from Kentucky. Mr. Stratford got his law degree and became a lawyer. He would eventually arrive in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1899 with his wife and his son. Mr. Stratford believed that black people had a better chance economically to progress if they pulled all of their resources together and worked together and supported each other's businesses. He went on to buy large tracts of real estate in the northeast part of Tulsa, which he had subdivided them and sold them exclusively to black people and eventually mr garley and a number of other blacks soon began to catch on and follow suit so they began to purchase large tracks as well and sell to other black people and mr stratford later on built the stratford hotel on greenwood avenue where blacks could enjoy those amenities of the downtown hotel which Only white people were served at. So Mr. Stratford built a hotel that was for black people. And it was said to be the largest black-owned hotel in the United States. A lot of black people owned farmlands back then. And many of them had gone into the oil business. And they ended up with very successful and lucrative oil businesses. And that community was so tight and wealthy because they traded dollars hand to hand. And because they were dependent on one another as a result of the Jim Crow laws, they became very successful in what they were doing. Just to show you how much wealth a lot of these black people had back then, there was a banker in the neighboring town. He had a wife and her name was California Taylor. Her father had the largest cotton gin west of the Mississippi River and when Miss California Taylor would go shopping, she didn't just go shopping. She would take a cruise to Paris every three months to have her clothes made and there was also this brother by the name of mason in the nearby county of wagner he had a the largest potato farm west of the mississippi and when he would harvest his potatoes he would fill a hundred box cars per day and there was another brother not too far away from him he had a spinach farm and he was just as successful as mr mason our ancestors were very successful in that time. And in 1921, Tulsa, Oklahoma was dubbed the oil capital of the world. The Negro metropolis of Southwest. In 1921, Wall Street had the richest per capita wealth than any place on the planet. The dollars that fueled their economy turned over as many as 12 times before it left the community. Black Wall Street was considered the Las Vegas of the 20s, Negroes' Wall Street. But of course you had those jealous groups of people that would constantly say and still do say, blacks need to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and my ancestors did just that, and then some. Jealousy is an ugly and dangerous emotion. So on the other side of those train tracks, over in Whiteland, you got poverty stricken, despair, hopelessness, helplessness, and an impoverished, living conditions. They looked over that railroad tracks and seen those successful black people. They hated the fact that our ancestors were living better than them. The Klan had a plan. The Klan had a strategy that they would use and recruit thousands upon thousands of white men Especially white men coming home from the World War I that couldn't find jobs. And the way that the city was structured with Klan members serving in political offices and National Guards at the same time, and it still is that way today. That's how the Klan would recruit their members by blaming black people and Jews for their problems of not being able to find jobs because of them joblessness without hope they would look over in jealousy and see a thriving black city with mansions and successful businesses and happy black people, our swag and they got mad about it they was angry like a pack of wild dogs just like that one day these beastly wild dogs got their chance to strike. And this is how it all began. It was a typical Monday morning, May 31st, 1921. A 19-year-old young black man by the name of Dick Rowland. He was working as a shoe shiner downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma. And since there was no restrooms around, he was given permission to use the restroom on the top floor of the Drexel building. In order for him to get to the top floor, he had to use the elevator. Our ancestor, he didn't look up when he went to get onto the elevator because of the unevenness of the second floor. He stumbled and he started to fall and then he reached out to break his fall and touched a white woman by the name of Sarah Page, the elevator operator, and she screamed, rape, typical of Becky, right? Look at this recent incident that just took place with this black man in Central Park. When all he did was simply ask a white woman to put a leash on her dog, nothing more. She turns around and she calls 911, And as she's speaking with the operator, she begins to get over dramatic and hysterical, lying, saying an African-American man had threatened her and her dog. So you see fam, this is in their nature. It's in their DNA. Those people's seeds still exist today. So the police are called and Roland is arrested. The white newspaper quickly began painting the picture of an innocent white girl, a damsel in distress. The newspapers saying that she had scratches on her hands and her face and that she was an orphan girl working as an elevator operator to put herself through college while painting Roland as a super predator in many of the white newspapers. Dick Rowland's arrest was reported in the front page story in the May 31st, 1921 Afternoon Tulsa Tribune. Come to find out this white woman was not a young girl but a grown woman who had deserted her husband in Kansas City and she was just served with divorce papers two months prior. She didn't have any scratches, nor did she have any torn clothes like these white newspapers were lying about. You see how the seeds of the devil work? They love to lie, kill, and steal. And they are the masters of lies and the masters of destruction. They love for you to believe their lies as truth. And they still do this to this very day. We see it all the time in mainstream media. Sarah Page and the white mainstream media was the cause of the massacre and destruction of Black Wall Street. Little Sarah, little lion grown woman Sarah, she started it all by blowing the whistle to signal the ungodly white supremacist. And the mainstream media just amplified her call taking a little incident and putting their own spin on it, adding gasoline to an already lit fire by the KKK's hate. They published articles instructing the lynching of our ancestor, Roland. This caused barbaric cowards, a crowd of barbaric cowards, to form outside of the courthouse where our ancestor was kept because back then they allowed these lynch mobs to rule these seeds of the devil those demons they allowed them to be the judge juror and executor without any due process without any legal consequences or repercussions for their action sounds familiar this type of savagery wicked black hearted beastly behavior was accepted then and it's still accepted now fam i know that i'm telling other stories as i'm telling this main story of black wall street but it is stories within this story i have to tell you these other stories so you can get an idea of what's going on around this is more like a, a a backdrop of what's going on while Black Wall Street is happening either before, around, or after. So with that being said, three months prior to our ancestors Roland being jailed, the town of Holdenville, a monstrous degenerate white mob, took another one of our ancestors from the county jail, hung him from a telephone pole then shot up his body, which he was already dead, but they shot up his body because they accused him of attacking a white woman. So our ancestor, Roland, he was sitting in that jail cell awaiting his fate. And I know that he was scared. I know that he was scared. But I could not imagine, I could not imagine what was going through his mind. But on the other side of them walls, our other ancestors, they all got together and they decided that there would not be any lynching of our dear ancestors. And they gathered up and they headed out to the jailhouse to guard our ancestors. And when they got there, there were already over 500 degenerate white men waiting to lynch Roland. Then the mob began to swell into thousands and then someone fired the first shot. We already know who did that. And as soon as that first shot went out, all hell broke loose then the war on black wall street began the first fatality two or four ambulance tried to get through to help but the mob turned on them and showed their guns so they couldn't get through they didn't want the ambulance helping black people the ambulams didn't know what to do so they turned off their engines and they stood there and watched as these white mobs of men continue to torture and beat and shoot our dear ancestors. The mob begins to organize themselves into squads for the takedown. They had organized this invasion the night before. There were white men by the carloads with rifles. This was like a scene out of World War One on America's soil. The Klan, the police force, the white lynch mobs, military veterans were all ready to go to war. As daylight approached, the whites would be signaled with whistles. Then the outrage could take place. This took place as our ancestors were asleep in their beds. At the sound of another whistle, more than a dozen airplanes flew over and began to drop turpentine bombs in our ancestors' homes, while 5,000 white men with machine guns began to fire in all directions as our ancestors flee from their homes to get away. They were met with more white men with more guns and more gunfire, but this time gunfire at a close range. Bullets flying in every direction from machine guns, rifles, and handguns. Men, women, children, and the elderly being shot down dead by blazing bullets as they rained upon them. Non-stop firing as they are trying to flee. Dead bodies dropping, wounded people running, and to safety where there wasn't any safety to escape to, only more gunfire. And why these white men are shooting at our ancestors and massacring them, they're killing our ancestors. They had big trucks to come into their communities to loot their homes, their stores and pod shops for guns and ammunition, their businesses. They burned every house but not before looting and first. They loaded up the trucks with anything that would move and anything that was of value and they took it. Every bit of money they had on them was taken. They robbed and they burglarized our ancestors. They formed a scrimmage line. Then another line was formed so they could shoot everybody and anybody on sight. They burned every house. They burned every business. They burned every automobile. They burned it all systematically. They burned it block by block, house by house. They went all the way through the whole city burning everything on site. They cut all the telephone lines, telegraph. And the railroad that led into Tulsa was blocked off. They made sure that they cut all lines of communication into Tulsa. That was at the order of the mayor and the Klan to cut everything off so no one would know what was going on. And they could wipe out a whole black community, Black Wall Street, without anyone interfering with their destruction. These mobs would not let the firemen battle the fires. The other residents in other black areas fled their homes while carloads of white men with rifles would go into other black areas and shoot up the neighborhoods. They would go up to the doors with their guns and blow up the front door locks, then go into the home and break up everything in the house and pull the telephones out of the walls break up pictures and ransack through the homes looking for things of value that they could loot. More times than not when these wicked white men would go into these houses that the black people had already got word of what was going on so they would Flee out into the country so they wouldn't be there. But sometimes there would find a person in the house. It would either be somebody that's elderly or someone that couldn't get away. And they would just set the whole house on fire with them in it. There was a black veteran that believed that the mob wouldn't kill him because he was a veteran. So he went inside his house and he put on his uniform and he went back out in his front yard and he stood there at attention and the mob killed him and burned his house down. And all of this wicked madness of this massacre, these abominable, ungodly, godless, vile, beastly white men would take our ancestors' bodies, then tie them to the bumper of their automobiles then drag them around Black Wall Street while shooting bullets into their bodies. While other bodies, they would string it up on a telephone pole and shoot it up with bullets. Our elderly were murdered returning from church. So now you see why I'm calling them devils, ungodly and godless because someone that believes in God would never do this to anyone. This is the work of the devil. Then you would have some white people that would go around snapping pictures of all of this madness and this destruction and this murder. And they would turn it into postcards. Hmm. This sounds real familiar. It sounds like they still do that today. They post pictures of dead black bodies on social media. And I don't know what it is with them, but it's like they have a fascination with killing black people and glorifying it and taking pictures and capturing that moment. It isn't just that past generation. It still goes on today. As black Wall Street continues to burn the fire department comes out, but it isn't to help the blacks or to save their homes or businesses, it's to protect the white people's homes. As black Wall Street continues to burn, the fire department comes out, but it isn't to help the blacks or to save their homes or businesses, it's to protect the white people's homes. And in the midst, Of all of this murder, this massacre that just happened, you got white men and white women carrying torches. White women had shopping bags, continuing to loot and burn our ancestors' homes. There was a church that they had just not that long ago built. This church was 40 days old. And they took a plane and they dropped the bomb on our ancestors church that should tell you the respect that these white people have for god they also burned down the only black hospital that our ancestors had this hill and this hill it overlooks black wall street and our ancestors thought that if they run to safety towards this hill that they will be all right. But by the time that they got there, there were white men on top of this hill with machine guns shooting at them. They were not safe anywhere that they tried to flee, anywhere that they tried to go. There were white men with guns. Our ancestor, Miss Rosa Davis Skinner. May she rest in peace. She tells about the accounts that her husband woke her up and told her that they were fleeing. And she had nothing on but her gown. And her neighbor had just had a stillborn baby the day before. And she had plans to bury the baby the next day. So she put the baby in the shoebox. And when her neighbor was fleeing, she grabbed the shoebox with the baby inside. And while they are running, the white people are shooting at them, bullets flying everywhere. People running and pushing and shoving and trying to get to safety. And bullets going in every direction. As her neighbor turns, she turns around and look, and her neighbor drops the shoebox with her baby in it and she gets down on her hands and knees and tries to find the baby and she searches and she looks and she cannot find her baby and her husband just literally grabs her and drags her and tells her, come on baby come on, we can't stay, you're gonna die come on, he drags her all the way to safety with bullets flying in every direction she never finds their little baby in the shoebox The elder that told this story was 98 years old. And she cried as she told this story. And she said, till that day, she still don't know what happened to her neighbor or the baby in the box. This massacre Finally ends. Of course, the white mainstream media runs a newspaper article describing the event as a military adventure. Our ancestors defending their homes were described as the enemies, while the white people were referred to as riflemen or soldiers, and they called our ancestors black snipers. The devil white mob was called Volunteer Army. Blacks with guns were called mobs. Rowdy whites were called patrols. You see how they like to word play stuff? You see that they love to play with words and always try to make themselves seem like they're the good guys? They did that back then, and they still do it now. The National Guard eventually came in and they set up detention areas that were set up at local parks, the convention center, and the baseball parties. Every black person had to fill out and carry an ID card. That had to be signed by a white employer and approved by a local official. If approved, they were given a ribbon saying, police protection that they had to wear and failure to wear this ribbon resulted in immediate arrest and confinement and a black person could only be released if he or she was vouched for by a white person. Many of these prisoners consist of mostly women, children, and the elderly and they would march them through the streets with their heads above their heads. The stress and the heat often would cause premature births for Black women. And before the day was over, every Black person in the city was either killed, wounded, arrested, or placed in confinement. Our ancestors, many of them women, and elderly women and also children they fled black wall street to other cities they would travel along the railroad tracks they would see white men getting in planes with rifles flying over Tulsa looking for more blacks to kill to quench their thirst of murder there was a group of our ancestors women children and elderly trying to escape and they came across a town along the railroad tracks named Collinsville. Somebody claimed that they thought that they were being attacked and they were being invaded by these women, elderly women, and children. So they shot and killed them. Eventually bring our ancestors back to Tulsa and they would take them through the white towns as the whites would look on and laugh and grin and snicker at them as they took the walk of shame back to their once thriving black Wall Street. Our ancestors were seeing their city for the first time since it had been destroyed. And what they found was Piles upon piles and piles of bricks where houses and businesses once stood. Twisted iron and ashes of their whole lives ruined into a pile of rubble. Our ancestors began to distrust anyone having white skin or white face or blue eyes. residents of Black Wall Street had been incarcerated and the whites took advantage of that so they began to descend upon and to circle around like vultures in their once thriving neighborhoods. They began to loot what they could find and looky-loos and souvenir collectors rummaged through the smoldering ruins. Martial law was still in effect and martial law prohibited black people from wall street having funerals for the dead so they couldn't properly bury their fallen brothers and sisters they couldn't show respect or show honor to the ones that had fallen but they allowed the whites to continue to have funerals as usual the aftermath of all this, few of our ancestors had insurance, and those that did, there were clauses that voided the policy in case of a riot. Those that filed the claim had to prove that the state and local government was negligent in protecting their property, something that was very impossible for them to do. Because the white people had already written themselves in as the good guys. And that would alleviate them of blame for what they did. And the all-white jury, the all-white grand jury, put all the blame on the survivors of this black Holocaust. So they blamed our ancestors for what the white people did to their community. Cities across America offered assistance. But Tulsa officials turned down all the offers and they did it under the lie of handling the problem themselves. The residents didn't have one thing left, nor have they ever received a single dime. There was 1,400 claims that was made by our ancestors. Not one Not one single claim was ever paid out, but there was one claim made to a white store owner for his guns and ammunition that was used by white rioters. Ancestors were made to live in tent cities, white newspapers and embarrassed white officials, the Chamber of Commerce, the clergy, they all made up lies that White people in Tulsa were supporting the blacks in Tent City when in fact it was the opposite. They love to lie. They love, love to lie on us. They did it back then and they still do it now. The white officials of Tulsa, they made sure that they would make it so hard for our ancestors that they would not be able to rebuild. The City Council of Commissioners ended up passing an ordinance that There would be no construction in the city of Tulsa that was not fireproof. Our ancestors, despite everything that they had just went through, our ancestors challenged the city ordinance. They took it to state Supreme Court and they won. And it was declared that the ordinance is being unconstitutional in a frivolous piece of legislation designed to keep black people down they declared black wall street a fire zone designed to prevent it from being rebuilt and the city fathers turned around in retaliation and put the land up for sale and so to this day the red cross estimate that there were 300 people that had been killed during black wall Street's massacre the official death toll was at 36 There were 1,200 homes was destroyed and 300 homes were looted. Over 4,000 of our ancestors were left homeless. Over 1,000 spent the winter in Tent City. Now, this is what the Red Cross and others report. So we know that that is a lie because no one knows for sure how many fatalities it was during that massacre. And as I do more research, fam, and... I found out more information on Black Wall Street because you know those white organizations is not going to keep it real. But by the time this destruction of Black Wall Street was done, the massacre, the damage had amounted up to more than $1.5 million in real estate and $750,000 in personal property. So that's equivalent today to 32. 0.25 million dollars. That's how much damage. That's how much our ancestors lost. And Black Wall Street, let me tell you what it had. Black Wall Street had 600 businesses, 21 churches, 21 restaurants, 30 grocery stores, two movie theaters, six private planes, one hospital, one bank, its own school system, and its own bus system so you tell me does that add up to what the Red Cross says? this very day no one has ever been held accountable or sent to prison for his or her actions but we all know how that goes it's still the same way today They do things to us and they're never held accountable for their wickedness. But I'm not looking for man to give me justice. I know who to go to for the justice and when that justice is served, you'll know. And as for our dear ancestor, Dick Rowland, the charges were eventually dismissed but no one knows what happened to him. But we all have a pretty good idea what happened to our dear ancestor and this cricket elevator operator nobody knows what happened to her either but I don't care what happened to her. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. ancestors, I thank you for inspiring with your story, your courage, your strength, your greatness, your tenacity. Be proud. You make me hold my head up that much more higher because I know that I come from greatness. I know that I come from you, thank you. All of the residents of Black Wall Street and those that contribute to making Black Wall Street what it was, may you rest in peace. I thank you. Black Wall Street, 1906. June 1st, 1921, Black Wall Street. That note, I would like to thank you, my beautiful, melanated family. Thank you for joining me in paying homage to our ancestors, listening to their story. Hopefully, You will pass on their story to everyone that you know, especially the younger generations. I would like to tell you a little bit about my new clothing line, La La Expressions. This is a clothing line that has meaning behind it. I tell our ancestors stories through my apparel check it out, and follow me on Twitter at Lala underscore exposes, Instagram at Lala exposes, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Lala Exposes. Please like and share. This is your girl, Lala. I'm your hostess, and I leave you in peace, which is in the manner that I came.